Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I want to dedicate this episode to my beautiful sister. She called me yesterday and I was just... Just so happy that she actually reached out to me because she's always been so strong and independent our whole life. And she's never one to ask for help or, you know, lean on people to bail her out or assist her in any way. Like she's just very independent. She's very strong and she takes care of her family and um so I I want to dedicate this episode to her because um she was having a, a manic attack yesterday and although she said it was a manic attack I knew immediately that it was a demonic attack but I have to be very careful when speaking with my sister because I respect her because she is older and I never want her to think that I'm challenging her authority or disrespecting her by trying to act like I know more than she does. But the truth is in life, people grow up differently and people spend their time differently, you know? So one person can spend their whole life cooking Another person can spend their whole life playing golf. And maybe the person that spent their whole life cooking was the older brother. And the younger sister was playing golf their whole whole life, you know. And maybe the older brother is going golfing one day, but he's not having much progress on the green and maybe he keeps missing the hole, you know, and the younger sister wants to give him advice, but she doesn't want to offend him because he's the older brother and he's very outspoken and authoritative and independent and he's a professional chef that's traveled the world making extraordinary cuisines but the little sister is a golf pro you know so she wants to offer advice to him but she doesn't want to offend him in any way because she respects and admires him so she has to carefully find a way to share information that she figured out on her journey through trial and error, trying to figure it out, you know, how to master this course, this golf course. So that's kind of like the analogy I want to give in this episode of trying to share Things that have worked for me in this life. And so it's a delicate process. But one thing that I'm happy is that she reached out to me. And now I feel like we do have a line of communication. And I've been praying to the Lord for this. And, you know, that's why fasting is so important. Because these there's nothing you can give God. God is perfect. So... When God asks you to abstain from something, it's a sign to him that you're taking it serious to try to draw near to him and develop a relationship with him. And one thing I was trying to explain to my sister is she's a Buddhist, you know, but when we had this discussion yesterday, 
she really couldn't talk because she was in the middle of the manic attack, you know, where I know it was a demonic attack, but she she was having labored breathing, like she couldn't breathe, and then a police officer was following her, so all these things were going on all at once, and so she wasn't fully receptive to what I was saying, and I was trying to explain to her, and I was praying for her, and the same, but it was just so much going on at the same time that it it was just so much interference that the phone got disconnected. And at first, I felt like she hung up on me because she didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus. Because when I mentioned Jesus, she was like, I asked Jesus to save me and he never did nothing for me. You know, and then she had a bad experience with the pastor. So she pretty much just lost all faith in Christianity. And she went into Buddhism because that's what worked for her, you know. And I know, I know what she's going through because I've I went through all of the religions, you know. I've went through Buddhism and Hinduism and but you know, I had to keep praying to God, like, Lord, please just give me the words to speak to my sister so I don't lose this connection with her, you know, because I don't want to upset her. And I know how the enemy works. The enemy is attacking people's minds. So it's ve it's a very, very delicate process when trying to rescue a Christian. Because, I mean, if she gave her life to Jesus, she's a Christian. <laughs> That's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, I met some guy. He gave his life to Christ. But when I met him, he was Muslim. And I was like, you can't do that. And he's like, man, that's crazy you said that because another one of my friends who's a Christian told me the same thing. He said, once you give your life to Christ, you can't go to another religion because Christ is not going to let you go. Like once you said that <laughs> to Jesus, he's not going to let you go because he knows he's God. You know, he's God in human form. And. That's the best way we can understand God. That's why God sent forth his word into Mary. She, and, and Jesus was the only one in history to ever be born from immaculate conception. So when you're talking about immaculate conception, there was only one person and that's Jesus. Everything else is a lie, you know. But um, and that's another thing, like Christianity is the number one attack religion. So that's got to let you know. There's something there, you know, if they're burning Bibles and, and infiltrating churches and they're attacking Christianity, then that's the truth. You know, this is Satan's world. It doesn't it doesn't take a scientist to figure out that the way this world is being run is not good. You know, chemtrails in the air, genetically modified food, you know, uh, radiation frequencies, cancer. The list goes on, you know, we're attacked from every angle, you know, and that's because of Satan. He wants to keep you stupid and dumb. He wants to kill you quick before you could give your life to Christ. So he'll have more souls to go to hell with him. He's going to hell. All of his fallen angels are going to hell. They're already set on that path. Of course, they're extremely intelligent. They, they've learned to actually put their disembodied spirits into human form, you know, through the mastering of technology. And a lot of these people that we see in the high places in, on earth that hold high positions, they're not even human. These are fallen angels in human bodies, you know, and we've been cloning and creating Android humans for years. I mean, the technology is out there. Um, you can follow my Instagram page. It's more is required. More underscore is underscore required. Or you could go to make the rapture. You know, my Instagram page, make the rapture. But I, I have a lot more on more is required. But that's more focused on gaining non-Christians and make the rapture. My Instagram for Make the Rapture is focused on Christians. So I have more Christian followers on Make the Rapture. And so I focused on preparing them and getting them ready for the pre-tribulation rapture that could happen at any moment. Because, you know, recruiting non-Christians is, is one part of the battle, but actually getting Christians 
lukewarm Christians to become on fire for God is another battle, you know, because there's so much deception in the Christian church. So it's just, it's just a lot of work, you know, but, um, I guess, you know, God knows what he's doing with me because now I'm f fully coming into the realization of what I'm here for. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, I'm just so happy that God has chose me to do what I'm doing. And, um, I'm just very grateful. So anyways, this is, this podcast is about saving your family and I'm, I'm focused on the non-Christian or maybe the person that gave their life to Christ, but went into another religion because they weren't seeing success in it and, and being a Christian. And my sister said that to me, she was like, I gave my life to Christ, but it didn't work. He didn't do nothing for me. So that's the focus of this podcast. And I know that struggle because, man, I was trying to tell my sister, like, you do realize, like, early on in our life, how many times I tried to commit suicide. She walked in on me trying to commit suicide and she actually kind of laughed at me. But at least she went upstairs and told my stepmother, Brenda, what I was doing. And Brenda came down and, 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 and got me off of the, the clothing line that I was trying to hang myself from. So even though my sister didn't save me in that moment, you know, she did at least warn Brenda what I was doing, you know, and Brenda came down and helped me. But like Jesus said, forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. Like people do not understand what they're doing half the time, you know. At some point in their life, they come to the realization of what's going on. I'm sure if my sister, being a mother now, seeing her youngest son attempting to commit, well, she was upstairs and her, maybe Cameron, her second oldest, came upstairs and said, Hey, Emery's downstairs trying to hang himself. I'm sure she would run down there and, and save Emery, but she might be mad that Cameron chuckled at him and didn't help him, you know. But she was a kid. I don't judge her. I love my sister. But I'm just saying, like, we're sometimes under strong demonic influence to where we don't even realize what we're doing. All right. So anyways, um, I was just trying to tell my sister the whole reason I brought up the commit committing suicide was I was trying to explain to her that early on in life, I wanted to give up a lot. And fortunately, God didn't allow that to happen because he knows everything. He knows our full potential. He knew that we was under heavy demonic attack. And like children who are born under parents who are married have like an anointing on their life. Right. And the demons, they want to steal that light from, from those children. So a lot of times those children, I mean, all children are, you know, targets in the demonic realm. Um, but there's legality. So like a child born out of wedlock, there's legalities for them to be attacked right because they were born out of wedlock i was i was born under parents that were married i'm not entirely sure if my sister was was actually in my mother's womb before they got married or after, but I think it was before. So I think my parents had got, that my mom had got pregnant before my dad and her married. But I know that my, my father and mother did get married, you know. So probably by the time my sister was born, uh, they were married. So I'll, I'm not really sure how that works, but either way, one thing I do know is that my grandmother, my mother's side, Estella, she was into like the dark 
arts, you know, like Santeria or Satanism. And I know my dad said he walked in on her one time and she was burning the cross of Jesus upside down. And that that upsets me, you know, but I also know that she wanted me to die, that she wanted my mother to have an abortion with me. But ironically enough, she was pregnant the same time that my mother was pregnant. So I have an uncle who was born a day after me or a day before me. One of the two, he was either born on January 24th or January 26th. And we're pretty much the same age. So can you imagine if you're a mother and you're trying to make your daughter get an abortion because she's having a son, but then you find out that you're having a son too? It kind of like nullifies that, right? You can't really force her to have the abortion if you're not going to have the abortion. So <laughs> my Uncle Willie was probably a reason that I, I'm here today, you know, like if he wasn't going to be born, I probably would have been killed. And honestly... <laughs> A lot of times I've asked the Lord that, like, why why did I even have to be here? I'd rather just, you know, it would have just been easier to have been killed in the womb and be in heaven chilling with God. But he knows what he's doing. You know, maybe I'll be producing fruit here. I don't know. Um, I don't have like a million followers. You know, I've made music my whole career, my whole life, and nothing's ever came of that. So I'm not really successful in that regard you know i've actually had no success in life <laughs> so uh it, that that leads to a lot of depression and sadness to to be a 41 year old cab driver you know i've picked up young kids and, and they're like laughing and making fun of me like this is what you wanted to grow up to be you know and i'm talking like picking up kids in a rich area you know i picked up some kids at top golf and all three of them they were probably like 16 year old kids and they were just making fun of me like it irritated me you know because i'm like well obviously you need this service and i'm here providing the service to you that you need because you guys aren't driving and uh i guess they got mad at that and they reported reported me but you know they were poking jabs at me and you know i was poking back but you know, nobody knows nobody's life stories. I mean, I majored in communications and actually I'm, I'm enrolled for uh, spring classes. I'll be going back to finish my degree. I just had a lot of bad things happen. You know, I went through a divorce. I moved in with my father. He got brain cancer and died. Well, before he got brain cancer and died, we moved again. So I moved three times in a matter of like a year and a half or two years, I went through a divorce and I went through witnessing the suffering and demise of my father. Three most stressful things in life that break a lot of people is moving, death and divorce. And I got hit with all three. I had to move three times. You know how stressful that was? Stressful moving when you're going through a divorce. Well, actually, I didn't get the divorce for years. She was just cheating with some other guy. Disgusting, you know, and I'll never speak to her again. I love her. I pray for her all the time. I see her in my dreams a lot. I see her in my dreams with her new her new boyfriend or I don't know if it's her husband or what. They post, she's got a picture posted on her Facebook page and they both look miserable. They're not smiling. So I already know because I'm so close with the Lord at this point in my life that I already know, like you can't sleep with a married woman and expect good things to happen. There's rules to this life. And if you don't know the rules, you will suffer the consequences. And God is always showing you the ropes. He's always giving you clues. He's always giving you hints. God does not stop speaking to you. It's just, are you paying attention? Or are you doing what you want to do? I'm tired of living life the way I want to live it. It doesn't work for me that way. I want to live life the way God designed it. God created everything. 
Why can't we just put our trust into him? And that's what I'm doing. And it's working out beautifully, you know. And I was telling my sister, like, I'm a 41-year-old food delivery guy. And she's like, I deliver food, too. And I just started laughing, like, what's what's the irony in that, you know? I'm thinking my sister is like a big shot. You know, she's living a nice life in Arizona where her three kids and her husband, she's living the married life. They're both fit and, and active and athletic, and she's working at a big bank. You know, I'm not going to mention the name, but she works for a big bank, and it just seems like the good life, but just from what I heard from her yesterday, which I could imagine, you know, life without Jesus, it's it's not all peaches and cream, you know. It's not what we think it is. And everybody we look at, you know, even people on Instagram, unless they're, you know, fallen angels, um, it looks like everybody's living their best life, but it's not really the truth. I mean, a lot of these, even these guys that have pictures with all these women, they're paying models to hang out with them and they're, they're fabricating life. And, you know, they, it's all part of the deception and Satanism. Like it's, it's all big trap, but when you do have the Holy spirit, you do become awake to what's going on. And, uh, you're just humble and grateful for the little things, you know, and family is one very beautiful blessing to have, you know. So anyways, back to this, I was just trying to tell my sister, like, you know, please just look at me when you when we first met, because I didn't when uh, when I was born, my sister was already born. Right. So she was already like a year old or whatever. And then I was born. And so in our baby picture, like she's like a year old and I'm like an infant, like I'm like a month old or like a couple days old. I don't know. But I was a baby and she wasn't a baby. She she was like she was a baby, but she wasn't a baby baby. She was like a year, a year or two old baby, I think. I mean, just from the picture, you could tell that that there's definitely a, a difference there. You know, we 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 were not both newborn babies. And, and by the way that my dad tells it and um, that my mom, that him and my mother got married. And then Estella, my grandmother, got mad and, and took my mother back. See, my mother ran away because she was being abused by my grandmother's boyfriend. And. And so she was trying to tell my grand grandmother, her mother, that her boyfriend was abusing her, but she didn't believe her. So my mom ran away and she was crying on the bus and she was sitting next to my dad. And that's how they met. And he said, well, you could stay with me if you want. And one thing led to another. But my dad knew that they had to get married and that was the right thing to do. So they got married and we had me and my sister have pictures of of. uh of that, that, that marriage. And so, um, when, when my grandmother took my mother away from my dad, they came to Miami, Florida and my dad was in Mexico, but my mother wrote him in Mexico and he had her return address. So he was going to surprise her and show up on her birthday. And so he showed up on her birthday because obviously he wanted to see his daughter. He wanted to see my sister, Michelle, because Michelle was already with my mother in Miami, you know. And so my dad popped up on her birthday and it was a huge surprise. My grandmother was extremely upset and because she, she was trying to take her away from my dad, you know. So my mother hated my father, you know, and she had a grudge against him and they 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 reunited and she got pregnant again with me and then you know like i said my grandmother was very controlling uh in my mother's life because she was like 17 years old and um and uh but my dad was like hey we're married that's my wife you know and that's my daughter and now she's pregnant with my son. And then she was trying to get my mother to have an abortion. And my dad was against it, of course. And then, you know, I told you about how um, 
my my grandmother became pregnant at the same time. So that kind of nullified her aborting a son when my grandmother was pregnant with a boy as well. And uh, so either way, she was such a vengeful, hateful person. My grandmother, Stella, at that time, that um, she was trying to get my mother to work in the bar and be around these drug dealers. And, um, you know, Satan was probably working and it, it, it ended. Their relationship ended. Um, my dad uh, was so upset, you know. Um, what was going on that when I was born, you know, he was just like, well, you're, you're going to take my daughter. I'm going to take my son. So he took me and he moved to Zanesville, Ohio. So I never knew my, I never actually met my sister till I was about five years old, four or five years old or something like that. And I just remember that, you know, cause my dad was li living with uh, a lady named Roxanne in Zanesville. And, um, he had to go, you know, I did I was just a little kid and I just knew that he'd left. And when he came back, there was a girl sitting on his lap and I'm just like, who is that? You know, and they were speaking Spanish. My sister was speaking Spanish to my dad and my dad was speaking Spanish to her. So I didn't understand the language. I didn't know what was going on, but I know that she jumped off his lap and she seen me in peeking out of this doorway in the bedroom and she ran after me and I got scared. So I ran and hid under the, this bunk bed and then she went and hid under the bunk bed and she, and like, I'm under the bunk bed and I'm like, look over and I'm like, she's under the bunk bed and I'm like, who is this person? So I, I, I hurry up and get out from under the bunk bed and I run away. And that was how we met, you know? And, uh, that was my sister. And so I told my sister, like, please, you know, just remember me, remember that moment when we met and as we start to rebuild our relationship, just please look at me in that context. <clears throat> it's just emotional for me because it's, it's just been a tough life. <sighs> You know, when I talk to God, I always tell God, please, God, don't look at me as an adult. Look at me as a kid because I'm just trying to figure everything out here. I'm just trying to put the pieces, just trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and figure this stuff out. And it's not easy. I mean, it's not like we have a Christian mentor who's teaching us the ropes. You know, we don't have anybody to lead and guide us like me and my sister just been trying to figure out life on our own and we've just been doing what, what's been working for us you know and for her it's been buddhism okay so i don't knock her and i just feel like if anybody is trying to like minister to non-believers to people who are who are trans transgender or homosexual, like the biggest thing that you can do is just listen. Don't like, don't just spout out all these things. I know you're excited and you want to teach them about Christ and you want to teach them how important it is to obey, but you just have to tread softly and listen. Listen to their story. Listen and understand what they went through to understand where they're at in their life, you know, because you don't know why somebody, why a man decided to become a woman or why a woman decided to become a man, you know, but they hide the fact, they hide the statistics of the suicide rates of transgenders, you know. And they got mean memes out there, you know, they got, I've seen a meme on social media where it says transgenders want us to accept them when they couldn't accept themselves. It's mean, you know what I mean? Like, I love all of my brothers and sisters. Like, I've, I've been reported through my job. I've been fired from my job for being a Christian because, you know, all this division, like the enemy's working in the mind. The enemy is implementing negative thoughts. 
We do have power in Jesus and we do have to take that authority, but it doesn't happen overnight. Like it, this is a painful process and you have to just be very delicate. It's such a delicate art form to this, you know, to recruiting souls to the kingdom of Christ, to heaven. We all want to go to heaven. We don't want to be around Satan and his fallen angels. He is completely corrupted and poisoned everything here. He is disgusting. He is evil. He is wicked. There is no good in him. And when you exhibit any of these attributes of negativity, you are like your father, the devil. But you do not have to be that way. You don't have to be that way. It's easy to go into that because he uses emotional spikes to get us to act out. That's There's demons that will sit in your body for a lifetime because they're just waiting for that one big event to make you make a big mistake and murder somebody or something. So the most powerful ancient demons, they will, I mean, you got to think these ancient demons, they've been around for Ever, you know, they're eternal. So it's nothing for them to sit in the life of a human for 40, 50, 60 years. When they've done ran through thousands and thousands of humans that way, you know, they're comfortable in your vessel. They live through you. They live through your sinning. When you're sinning, you're feeding the demon that's in you, you know. And that leads to depression and suicide, you know. That's why a lot of people that are slaves to their addictions, you know, they don't understand once they feed that need that they still don't feel any fullness or joy from it. You know, once they sniff that whole bag of Coke, they're still sad and depressed. It's because you're feeding these demons that are are. Their fate is sealed to go to hell. So anyways, you know, I'm trying to minister to my sister, but it's a delicate process. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, with the analogy of the golfer and the chef, you know, and I, I changed those roles around because, you know, for obvious reasons to teach. And um, even when I was making music, like I got so much criticism from it, right? And I was saying my music, I am a teacher teaching and I'm just using this art form to teach because I knew everybody listened to music. So I knew that was a way to reach people because nobody's going to pick up a book and read it. Nobody's going to go to a lecture and listen. I mean, there are kids... At that time that were in college and doing things like that. But, you know, I grew up in an impoverished atmosphere in the hood, as you would say. And uh, it's just in the hood, you brag about your criminal specialties. Uh, this person's a forger. Uh, he, he, he does uh, check scams or he does credit card scams or this one. He, he, he's a robber. Like I rob drug dealers. That's really what I did for a large majority of my life. I robbed dope boys. It was a, it was a sure fire. It was a sure thing for me because I knew they weren't going to call the police and say, Hey, someone just robbed me of all my drugs, you know? And even if they wanted to call the police and say, I, my house got broke into, and they stole my video game system or they stole my clothes and my cologne. There's still going to be paraphernalia there and stuff like that. So it's just, it was just, it was just a, a, a for sure thing for me to do to keep living, but it was disgusting. I mean, I started off innocent, you know, but as the world started to, to program me, you know, and even my sister was, was trying to tell me like, I need to be more tough and, she was already hanging out with Crips and gang members. And, you know, she got pulled into that lifestyle early, too, you know. But see, we didn't understand that sinning opens the door to demonic activity 
And demons don't come by themselves. They they bring it a group of demons with them. So you can commit one sin, maybe fornication and, and having sex before marriage, but then you just open up the door to drugs and addiction. And my sister was never one really to be addicted to drugs or alcohol, you know, that I knew of, you know. I mean, we partook in those activities, but it was never like a crippling hindrance for us. You know what I mean? But pr pr promiscuity was one of the hindrances of my sister searching for love. See, there's always reasons why we sin and, and the enemy knows that. And being neglected, you know, being in a broken home, her being kidnapped from her mother. That's all she knew growing up was her mother. And she got yanked from that. She was seeking love and attention, you know, and we were bounced around from house to house because my dad had to hire babysitters and sometimes babysitters didn't want two kids. So then he he didn't want to split us up, but he had to go work and he still was working in Florida. So he'd have to travel back to Florida to work and he'd be down there for three, four months at a time. And, you know, I can only imagine him bumping into my, into my mother. And I mean, there's a lot of stories, a lot of things I couldn't get out of my father. There's still a lot of missing, missing information for me and my sister about our mother and everything that happened. And, but it, it came down to grudges. It came down to bitterness and unforgiveness. And you can't make it into the kingdom of heaven if you don't forgive people. How can God forgive you if you don't forgive nobody? That's why I said that there's rules to this. So anyways, um, I don't know if my sister is going to listen to this episode, but I'm, I'm going to post it. I'll share it to her and maybe she will. Maybe she won't. But either way, this could help somebody out there. Um, when ministering to uh, non-believers or people who just don't know about Jesus or people who have preconceptions about Christianity. Um, hopefully this will be beneficial. But... Uh, so those were the two things that I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me to say to my sister to try to reel her in. And I, I know that sounds kind of sneaky or whatever, but it's for a good cause, right? Um, nobody is going to find the, the satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment from any religion, from any philosopher or, or teacher except through Jesus. Jesus is the only teacher, you know? He's the word of God and God created everything. So that's that's the way to heaven, you know, and um, it's really such a it's a beautiful story. Like our life is a conversation with the Lord. And when we get mad and frustrated and we scream and blasphemies and cuss God out and we're still breathing the next day, that should just show you like how loving and patient the Lord is. You know, it's kind of like if you have kids and the, and your kids having a temper tantrum screaming because he keeps wanting to touch this hot stove because he's like, "Ooh, it's glowing red. Let me touch it. And you're like, no. And you keep smacking his hand away from it. And he just gets scared and, and falls on the floor and starts screaming and crying. You have so much love for that child. Right. Because, you know, he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand that if they touch the stove, they're going to burn their hand and there's going to be melted flesh stuck to the stove, even though their stoves are different these days. But the stove, I'm talking about the stoves when I was growing up. So it's the same analogy. You know, like you're not going to do anything evil to your child because they disobeyed you. You're aware that. They're unaware. They don't have the knowledge of doing it, you know, but if they grow up and they become an adult and they know that if you touch that stove that you're going to get burnt and you keep telling them not to do it, but they do it anyways. Then they suffer the consequences of their actions. You see, hell 
is not entirely like really a punishment. Hell is just a place that God created that he has no part in. So he created eternal life. He knew life was good. But he's perfect. And to live in a perfect place where there's no evil or negativity, that means there's nothing evil or impure that could be in that perfect place. So if you're living a lifestyle that's impure, you're you're creating the separation. He's not. He's just saying like, say there's two rooms in a house, right? This room is completely perfect and and clean and pure and holy and righteous. And you can come into this room if you're clean, pure, holy and righteous. But if you have mud all over your white shoes, you can't bring that into this all white room with all white carpet and white floors and white walls because that mud is going to get over everything into this white room and, and ruin it. And this room's not going to be perfectly white anymore. So you have to be completely perfectly clean to enter this white room. You have to have brand new perfectly white shoes and white socks to even walk in this room so you don't mess it up. Because if you have a speck of dirt or, or, or mud on it, you're going to get it into this room and now this room will not be perfect anymore. So that's all that is. That's all really it is. I mean, it's it's simple, but it's, conf it's confusing for some reason. Now... If you are have like a mud all over you, your white outfit and your white garments, you can't come into this all white room because obviously you're going to contaminate it. So there's another room over there that isn't that doesn't have God in it, you know. And so when you live that lifestyle, at the end of your life, it's it, you're it's it, you're put on scales. Like how much of your life were you producing fruit and serving the Lord and, and doing righteous and, and living a holy life and being an example to others and promoting a, a wholesome, good lifestyle? And how much of it was it where you were just like, oh, man, it's cool to go out and have sex and get girls pregnant and, and get drunk and, and gangbang and and murder and and steal and lie and cheat and, you know. You can't, if you're living that, you can't be in heaven. Like a lot of people want to go to heaven and be a heavenly citizen, but this is the application process. <laughs> you know, this is where you're building your resume. So you want to submit your resume to live in heaven. Well, God is going to look over the resume and, and tell you what qualifies you to be a heavenly citizen and what disqualifies you. Fortunately, you have Jesus as your advocate because God sent his word into flesh. And so we have an advocate because God, God is God, right? So if God is God, he couldn't necessarily really become flesh because God is perfect. But God sent someone to be able to, to, to experience the physical realm and be an advocate for us to, to, to speak to God, like God, you know, it was really tough. Like they didn't understand this, this, that, and that. And, and that's why they did this. And that's why they, so you, you have like a lawyer, someone who's, who's advocating for you. And since God loves Jesus so much because Jesus lived a sinless life, he's going to listen to Jesus. And if Jesus says like, Lord, please, I want this person to be in heaven, please on my behalf. And God's going to be like, I'll grant your wish. They can come. They can come to heaven. They might have to go through a training program, but they can come to heaven. And so that's the beautiful thing about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because you're basically hiring your attorney to defend you on your trial when you go before judgment. And everybody will have to go before judgment. So I just hope like I'm bringing some type of clarity to how this works because it took me a lifetime to figure this stuff out. 
And that's why I told my sister those two things. Please look at me like a little kid. Because one day my sister, she's very inquisitive. She's very intelligent, right? She found a shoebox in my dad's closet or under his, I think it was in his closet. And she's like, hey, I think these are, these are pictures of our mother. And I'm like, huh? I had no idea because I was never around my mother to even have a visual image of her in my mind. But see, my sister, she spent like five or six years with her. So she could, she recognized the photos, you know? So she was trying to share this information with me. She pulled this shoebox out. She discovered something that she was trying to share it to me. I didn't believe her because I didn't have any point of reference. You see what I'm saying? So I do pray that my sister hears this episode because I'm trying to do the same thing that she did for me. When she pulled that shoebox out and she said, I think these pictures are of my mother. And she confronted my father on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a little girl, like six, seven year old girl. Maybe she's probably eight years old at the time. I don't know. She confronted my dad about this, right? I mean, the balls on her, you know, that, so to speak, obviously, you know, but just the, the, the tenacity and the, the, the strength and, and the forwardness of her to, put her foot down and be like, Hey, you know, and she starts accusing my dad, like she's going to uncover this mystery. She's going to discover what he did because technically my dad kidnapped us. He kidnapped us from our mother, but there was reasons for it. Right. And we didn't understand that. Like we grew up mad at my dad because he never wanted to even give us a chance to meet our mother. He just completely denied it. And really over time, he actually did lose contact to her because she did have Roxanne's number, but Roxanne discon got the phone changed. She changed the phone number so that there would be no connection there. So Satan has just been working and working and working and working. You know, that's why we can't judge anybody. Like we can't be mad at Roxanne for changing the phone number because she didn't want my dad to get back with uh, my mother, because she was now in a relationship with my dad, and actually she got pregnant with my brother Chaz. So she's trying to keep their family together with my dad. But she sees that his ex is back in the picture because the ex wants her kids back, even if my dad doesn't want to get back with her. And my dad's like, I don't want you to have the kids because your mother's crazy and she's a Satanist. And I don't want my kids growing up around somebody who's living a Satanic lifestyle that's trying to pimp you off the drug dealers. And hoe you out. I don't want my kids growing up like that. I don't want my daughter to grow up in that atmosphere. If your mother's doing that to you, what do you think she's going to do to my daughter? I want to save my daughter from growing up in that lifestyle. So no, you're not going to have your kids. As a matter of fact, um, I'm not even going to reach out to you no more. So it was just a lot of things that factored into this, you know, and by not having the knowing and knowledge of this, we grow up, me and my sister, Mad, confused, frustrated. We don't have our family unit. We don't have our mother. Our dad's tight lipped about the situation. He's hiding the fact of our mother. We think the conspiracy is going on. He's not very forthright with information. He's lying a lot. He's always going by different names. He's always had aliases. Even to the day he died, he was going by different names and always changing the name of his business because he didn't want to be tracked. I mean, technically, I, I think you get in trouble for kidnapping your kids. I mean, I don't know if there's a law against it, but... I'm sure there's something in, in place for that, you know? So we just went through a lot, you know? Now we're at an age where we can reflect and look back at our life and see what actually had happened and, and see what was going on. And like my sister just told me uh, this. She's like, I'm keeping my kids with me. My, all my kids live with me. I'm not going to let them grow up the way we grew up. So. Just with this information that my sister gave me, because we've had an estranged relationship for a long time, um, we kind of fell out because, you know, there was a situation where, I don't know, she called me one day and I was, she was just checking in on me and I was just telling her, like, at that time I was like running an escort service in college, you know, I was pimping out women and, um, I was just like, man, this weird, it just happened like the day before. I'm like, man, this weird dude 
like came over and, you know, I'm in college, you know, it's like I'm a college age kid, you know, I'm like 19, 20 years old, 21 years old or something like that. And there was old dude, like this older black dude just kept coming over trying to hang out with us and have sex with all these college girls that were hanging out with us. You know what I mean? And I just thought it was creepy, you know, like what the hell heck is wrong with this dude? Like he's married, like he lives in the, the, the college put us in, in apartments, but it wasn't all college students living in apartments. There was other people living there. And this dude named Pat kept coming over, like harassing us. And he was like trying to like bully us into, to like hooking them up with girls or whatever. And there was one girl that, you know, she did things for money or whatever. And so I tried to, you know, like, hey, you know, this dude's like bugging me every day. Like, do you want to like make some money or whatever? And she really didn't want to. She was kind of creeped out by him, too. But I insisted, which I regret now. Like I told you, I didn't live a perfect life, you know, but. And she did something with him, but she just was grossed out about it or whatever. And I was just telling my sister about that. And she's like, well, hold on. I'm, I'm at, at work. Let me call you back. So she called me back and she's like, tell me again. I'm like, I already told you there's really nothing, there's really nothing to it. You know what I mean? Like other than that, you know, nothing's really going on in my life, you know, just trying to find extra ways to come up with money because I'm a broke college student. And she's like, no, 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 tell me again the story about that guy, that creepy dude and the girl. And I was like, Michelle already told you. She's like, just tell me. So I told her again. And next thing I know, this a couple of days later, this dude is like trying to bully all my roommates, my college roommates. I come home from school, like the dude's hanging around the corner and he's like following us and to when we walking to school and, and stuff like that and then he's like trying to yell at me like you you told my wife that of this and that and i'm like i don't even know your wife like i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about like i didn't even know what was going on so like i called my dad i'm like dude this is weird like this dude said like i told his wife i have no idea what's what's going on with any of this stuff or nothing and i'm like i actually never even told anybody about that except michelle so after talking to my dad, my dad came over or whatever, and I guess he seen the dude or whatever, and and the dude told my dad what had happened, and then my dad was like, Michelle called you on three-way, and his wife was on the other line, and you didn't know, but she was eavesdropping on the conversation. His wife heard everything you told Michelle, and they think that was her husband. And I'm like, why would Michelle do that to me? But see, she was trying to look out for her friend. You know what I mean? And this dude never tried to like put his hands on me or anything. He was just screaming and yelling a lot and, and trying to threaten to fight me. I, I definitely would have would have fought him. Like I had no issue fighting the dude. But I guess he was also friends with Niles, her husband. So later on, like I remember I was like. I wanted to go visit my sister or whatever, and I was downstairs waiting on her to come downstairs or whatever, and I was chilling in the living room with, with Niles, and I loved him. I mean, he was a good dude. He was really cool, and I never had no issues with him, but one of his friends came over, and his friends was just pointing at me and laughing like, man, who's this weird, weird-ass dude sitting behind you or whatever? And Niles kind of looked back at me and laughed. He's like, ah, oh, that's, that's, my, that's my girl's little brother. And that, that stained my memory because I felt like he didn't stick up for me and he kind of downplayed me and made me feel like I wasn't like his friend and I thought I was friends with him, you know? And when he kind of just played it off like, oh, that dude ain't nothing, man. That's just, ignore him. This is my, my, my girl's little brother. That, that made me a rage because I wasn't a punk at all. Like, I, mind you, I used to rob dope boys for a living. Like, I'm not a stranger to fight, and I fought all the time. I mean, when I was a little kid, I got jumped and beat up a lot, so I had to learn how to fight. But I became a street fighter. Like, I was getting in three, four street fights a year, and you learn. The more you start fighting, even if you're getting beat up at first, you learn how to fight. You're not going to not know how to fight every time like you pick up things in a fight you learn from what people are doing to you i can fight 
<laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not no punk, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that he treated me like I was a punk to around his friend, like I felt like killing his friend. That's the, the emotions that I had, you know. So I was like, I got so mad, I went upstairs to hang out with my sister, and I was telling her, you know, what was going on. And she was like, I ah, don't worry about it. This ain't no big deal. And I'm like, Nah, that's that's disrespect to me. I don't play that shit. You know me. And my sister knows how I am. Like, oh, excuse me for cussing. Sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I'm still working on that. But um. Uh, so sorry. Uh, but, um, so I was trying to explain that to my sister, you know, and, um, and then something else happened where like I started working with busy bone or whatever and all that. And some dude like Beretta nine was, um, I don't know. He was in communication with him. We was trying to do an album, whatever. And he wanted me to give him some drugs to do like a verse or whatever. And then he was telling me like, oh yeah, I know your people, man. I'm going, I'm going to that wedding out there. And he was kind of talking greasy to me too, a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And then I'm like, and then he was talking about my sister's wedding, you know? And then I, I immediately thought about Niles. And then I was thinking how the bread of Niles was, was kind of being disrespectful towards me a little bit. Like, oh man, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't going to come up with that type of stuff, man. You, so I'm thinking, man, maybe Niles is talking down on me again to this dude. You know, from Killer Army or whatever. Because uh, Niles was a rapper too, you know. So that mixed with that event that day, mixed with the event with that dude. All those three incidences made me have a, a bad feel in my heart towards her husband. So when she had her marriage, it was like 7 or something like that. I think it was like July 7th, 2007 is when she got married. You know, and I wanted to go, you know, because I was in the seventh sign. Like it was all significant for me, you know, and uh, I wanted to be there for my sister. Like one of my family members flew out, but that's just how the devil works. He causes division. He plays on your mind. I wasn't that far advanced in the ways and the teachings of Jesus to understand what was going on, to understand that I had a hidden enemy, an invisible enemy that had demonic entities attacking me and that is what caused caused the estrangement between me and my sister and right after that she moved to Arizona grew her family and I haven't been in touch with her since so now we're in a point where we can start repairing that and working on it and you know I'm a apologize to her and to Niles I like to do it face to face because I'm a man and uh I definitely ain't no punk and I want to express myself. I mean, obviously now that I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to be meek, but I'm not weak. And Jesus was never weak. He was meek and humble, but he he's the Lord. And when he returns, you're going to feel his wrath. Like, you know, you'll be meek at first, but the wrath is coming, you know. And so as a uh, a disciple of Christ and a warrior for the heavenly kingdom, I will abide in obedience to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I will continue to do the work that needs to be done here. And I fear no man and no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. And the last episode I posted, it was about a dream where I was exercising my authority. And like I said, demons recognize authority based upon belief and belief is determined by your dis discipline, obedience, and faith and the implementing of the teachings of Jesus. And since I am at that point, I have power and I feel the power brimming around my vessel. I am walking in full authority of Christ and I am triumphant now. And I want that power to be transferred over to my sister and I want her to implement these teachings, but I want her to do it on her own because that's the type of person she is. She's, she's a very strong soldier. And I just want to give her that shoebox of pictures like she did for me and say, this is the truth. Cause she, she handed me a shoebox of pictures and said, this is the truth. This is our mother. This is where, this is the other half of our family. This is where we come from. This is the beginning of discovery to putting the, the missing pieces of the puzzle together. 
And now I'm returning the favor to her because since I dealt with suicidal thoughts early on, I had to, to get my mind together and really focus and figure out what this life was about. And it's not what we see here. It's not materialism. It's none of the, the pleasures of the flesh. We are eternal souls and we have to start thinking as such. I love you, Michelle. I love you. And, uh, I hope this podcast episode helps other people, uh, to save their families. Let's save our families and bring them to heaven in Jesus' heavenly name. I love you guys. God bless.